0: accepting is not wanting or liking that's some, one of the things i think we we think acceptance we think it's necess- we think that word is positive when in reality acceptance itself doesn't have a positive or negative meaning exactly it is, it just it just is
1: you are listening to sex and chronic illness a shame-free conversation about chronic illness disability and intimacy I'm your host, Dr. Lee Phillips. Today's episode is The Power of Acceptance. Okay, everyone. Hello. Welcome to episode two of the Sex and Chronic Illness podcast on the Invisible Not Broken Network. I'm your host, Dr. Lee Phillips, and I am so excited to be here today. I know it's been a while since I've done... A new episode. I've been really busy. I moved in October, you know, being a therapist, holding the fork down for clients that are going through so many things right now with COVID and just the political climate, but I am so excited to be here today, and I'm so excited about my guest, and I'm going to introduce her. So Erica Miley. Erica is a mental health and sexual health therapist. She's a podcaster, PhD candidate, and your resident sex nerd. Mm -hmm. She wants to help you challenge the shame monster in your head. Love it. Accepting who we are, our bodies, who we love and what we want to have sex, who we want to have sex with, the fantasies we have, and how necessary it is to live the life we are meant for. Erica also owns an entirely online sexual health practice, and she trains all who work within her practice to be able to walk within you and your journey to mental and sexual wellness. Welcome to the show, Erica.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, that made my, that, my list made me tired. That's not good. <laughs>
1: It made you tired. Your list,
0: <laughs> yes. I'm like, oh, that's a lot of shit. I need to take a nap. <laughs> oh, you, can I sh- swear on your show? I should ask that.
1: <laughs> yes, you can say fuck. Yay! <laughs> my favorite word. It's my favorite word, and I mm. say it all the time. It comes out of my mouth mm. all the time. Um yes. But yeah, you know. So we met. I remember I was teaching for Modern Sex Therapy Institutes, and mm. I was teaching a class. On reclaiming sexuality for couples with chronic illness. And I started yes. to talk about acceptance. And I remember you just kind of mm-hmm. going crazy. You were like, Yes, I love this model. I love using this with my clients. And I, yes. I believe in this. And there's so much power in acceptance and, mm-hmm. and how we can play into that and how it helps us with illness, with pain, with any yes. other, you know, issue that we're going through. And then mm-hmm. what it can do for sexuality. And so we are definitely going to be talking about that, but first I want our listeners to know a little bit about you and your own journey. Mm-hmm. And so why don't you share just with you, what your disorder has been or illness mm-hmm. or ailment that you've had in your life?
0: So let's see here. I've I've dealt with, first I've dealt with chronic pain. I'm an athlete, so I've dealt with chronic pain for a really long time. Um, my first like big injury, I was like 16, maybe 15 years old. And for whatever reason that day I had decided in softball, I was going to swing a heavier bat and uh, uh, I like tore all of my low back muscles, Mm. like uh, light across the, almost from, from hip to hip, I, I really, really hurt my low back muscles, which essentially then created a weakness that I've, that I dealt with, I deal with up to to today. And of course, in our thirties, I'm, I'm 36, uh, nothing, if you've ever injured anything, now you feel all of it forever. (laughs) Yes.
1: Um, Yes. The bodies change over time. Yes. yes. Absolutely. Wow. So,
0: um, But uh, aside from that, this um, about, let's see here. Mm, Now I am two years. Yeah. Two years ago, I had, it was strange. I had taken, uh, this is in the before time, so no COVID. Um, I had taken uh, my kids to a giant Easter egg hunt. And it was a lot of fun. We brought their little friends and, you know, they dump buckets, and buckets full of those <laughs> eggs. And then the kids just like throw them all in the basket. It was, it was so much fun. And my chest had felt funny. Like I just, it had been tight and I had had kind of some pain and I couldn't figure out like what was going on with me. And I was like, this is different. This isn't like anxiety. This isn't this. I don't understand what this is. And so uh, I, there was an ambulance there. Because their kids were running in and out of it. Like they're showing the kids all of these neat little things on the inside of an ambulance. And I was like, um, this is weird, but um, <laughs> I'm feeling strangely. And I was kind of describing, and I, I could feel my heart beating really, really fast. And so they actually hooked me up to the leads right there to, to measure my heart, heart rate to see what was happening. So my heart rate was dropping from my resting heart rate, which is about 54 to 60. I, I have pretty low resting heart rate because I, I exercise a lot. And it was jumping, it was going like, uh, almost like stair-stepping up to 170 again. And then it would drop and then it would do that again and again and again and again. And so they were like, um, you need to go to the hospital now. And I was like, um, uh, okay, <laughs> what?" Wow. so, um, and I mean, we could be here all day about problematic things with healthcare, um, mm-hmm. but my husband came and got me, took me to the hospital. Um, they really wanted me to go in an ambulance. And I was like, um, that's $4,000. No. <laughs> wow. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so... Uh, We got to the hospital. They had tested me for all the things. They tested me for heart heart attack. And they come up with that I have um, a type of an arrhythmia in my heart that some women get between the ages of 30 and 40. And it causes the heart to essentially, so the heart kind of beats in uh, two different quadrants. So it beats at the top and then beats at the bottom. And that's what it typically does. Mine is adding an extra beat that is throwing off the rhythm of the heart. And um, so I had to uh, go to a cardiologist and try to figure it all out. In the meantime, I was on beta blockers, which I don't know if anybody out there that's listening has ever been on a beta blocker. It is like, especially if you're an athlete, it's like having, if you've ever, have you ever driven a car that had a limiter on it, a speed limiter?
1: Like, no, but I've heard no, I haven't, but so like
0: that? sometimes like if you drive like a moving van or something like it'll it won't let you drive faster than 70 miles an hour. Wow, but that's what it's like as a person, like your heart that will only allow the heart to beat so fast. so when you're trying to run and you get gassed out because you can't get your heart rate up any higher, like it was it was just miserable. I felt absolutely mm. miserable. So I went to a wonderful cardiologist um, who I still see to this day. And, um, and she started me and this is where my acceptance had to come <laughs> because I have been uh, a, a, omnivore my entire life. I was raised in a rural community. I was raised around farmers. I raised my own animals. I've butchered my own animals. Like I have never, ever considered plant-based eating. And so she was like, okay, instead of maybe a medication for your entire life, maybe we try to tackle this with nutrition. And that was scary as fuck. That was terrifying because I was like, what do you mean plant-based? What? I, I, <laughs> right. I like cheese and I I love shrimp. And I love, like, I just, it, it was- um, a real scary thing that made me have to shift how I manage my stress, how I manage uh, how I exercise, how I manage uh, what I eat every single day, and it it the plant based diet. So essentially, has resulted in that I have had no heart symptom problems for a year. I've figured out, though, there are some trigger uh, things that if my electrolytes are off, I might experience a symptom or two. Mm-hmm. And so it's still this, this learning process, too, with this whole change of my life. Um, and not necessarily, um, not really, not necessarily, yes, I had a choice in it, but to me, I didn't really have a choice in it. I look at my kids and I go, okay, I'm going to try to be around for you for as long as I possibly can. And if I'm going to do that, I have to do it this way.
1: Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, there's different phases of illness that happens. And a lot of times there's the crisis phase and that's where we want answers and that's where the chaos is. And so we want to, we want stabilization. We want to find out what's going on. And then once we have the diagnosis or we know what's going on, then we go into this new normal of a mm. life and it's having to change and make these adjustments. And so yeah. having to do that, I could see where acceptance really ties into that. And then yeah. there's a grief process that happens.
0: Whew. I tell you um, what, <laughs> I had to grieve that, that part of me of like, Oh, I can, I, cause I love to cook. I love to cook. So I had to grieve how I used to cook Mm -hmm. and I had to get creative in how I cook now, which then resulted in, um, uh, me and one of my close friends, she's a vegan health coach. Uh, we've been working on a mental and sexual health cookbook. Um, and we call we called it, you can make it because it's, we want you to be able to, to make these dishes, um, but also be able to make it through life. Because so many of us have ended up with chronic illnesses, in, especially in the United States. Um, uh, my, my friend Emily, she'll, you know, she'll get to tell her story a lot during, um, once we're, the cookbook's out. But her father um, had a massive heart attack. And she helped him with the same process I had to go through. And his health numbers are beautiful now. So he's, he's plant-based, so he doesn't identify himself as a, a vegan, so he once in a while has meat. So there are, the, I think acceptance is understanding that there's flexibility.
1: Yes, I like that because one of the things that is talked about in the acceptance model is psychological flexibility. Yes, It's being flexible because if you're rigid in your mm-hmm. thinking when it comes to illness, and of course there has to be that grief process. So a lot of times, you know, there's denial and mm-hmm. some folks that really go through that. And then, of course, there's going to be anger because the more yes. you're dealing with your condition, you're going to be angry. Sometimes there's jealousy of everybody mm-hmm. else who's healthy. And if you're in a partnership, you can project that onto your partner. And so mm-hmm. we talk about that in our sessions, too. And then there's bargaining saying, hey, you yeah. know, I would do anything to reverse this. Let's do this. And then there is depression, I think, with any illness or pain. Absolutely. Condition, we see the comorbidity of the mental health, you know, with the depression, with the anxiety. And then we have this wonderful word acceptance Mm -hmm. that can be such a journey to get to. But the antidote of avoidance and all those things with anger is acceptance, right? Being able to accept the new normal of what is happening.
0: Yeah, it it is this, um, it's not, wanting accepting is not wanting or liking that's some, one of the things i think we we think acceptance we think it's necess- we think that word is positive when in reality acceptance itself doesn't have a positive or negative meaning
1: exactly it,
0: is, it just it just is you can experience a positive or negative feeling as a result of accepting something you can accept and not avoid the feeling and go, I don't like it, this sucks. (laughs) That's how I felt about eating plant-based. I don't like this sometimes, this sucks. But I have to, I didn't avoid the feeling of this is the, this, this took, away some some ways that we used to eat some ways that uh, I used to like any of the traditional recipes from like my family history like mm, pretty much all of those are out now (laughs) like they're that I've had to think about them in a different way I've had to create that flexibility around them and, and legitimately just give up some of those cheese casseroles, which is sad.
1: <laughs> I know, it's it's really hard. And I like what you're saying about acceptance because it's not so positive and it's not so negative. It reminds me about, it's the power of the now. It's what's going on yes. in the moment. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm accepting where I'm at in my body, what's mm-hmm. going on with me, what's going on with my mental health, what's going on with my sexuality. And yes. when we go into sex, it's like, okay, well now that I'm accepting this condition and where I'm mm-hmm. at, now maybe I can be a little bit more sexual because that's one of the things that's least talked about with chronic illness is is being a sexual being and finding Mm. that pleasure because you don't really hear about it in the doctor's offices.
0: Mm -mm. You know, Mm -mm. you hear
1: about, well, you should be happy that you're just alive. You've got this medication.
0: (laughs) (laughs) you should be happy and the side effects of those medications are hell on earth so yes uh, and they're yeah, hell you should on, be happy about that right and they're <laughs> hell on
1: earth when it comes to your your sexual being yes and learning how to be sexual in your body again and it's an adjustment but we know that with a substance it can be an adventure for your sexuality mm. it can be something yes. new and different and you can get very creative with it um mm. and i think that's also the important thing um you know, with acceptance and what it does. So with with your condition that you had, how did it affect your relationships and your sex life? Because, you know, chronic pain can really do that.
0: Yes. Um well especially as we've gotten older my husband and I have both had to like just essentially have the acceptance conversation of like neither one of us can maybe physically do some of the 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 positions that we've enjoyed uh, over the years we've been married for 12 years and and we have two children and and it's just just aside from my chronic pain like my body is different today than it was when I was 23. And so, and yes, it it is very, very different sex than it was when we were 23 years old. And so there was a level of, I think that when we start to age and if you have a chronic illness or, or, or are dealing with a current virus or you're dealing with something that may be long-term or chronic, I mean, we're going to have, I mean, you're going to just have a, have a whole box of things to look through for just for your podcast with all of the things that are coming post COVID, right? Like people who are having chronic illnesses now after having COVID. So like acceptance is going to be an ongoing process. It is going to be something that you're going to have to, every transition of your life, you're going to have to revisit. I, the way I kind of talk about it with my clients is this, because I'm a giant nerd and can't help myself. It's it's like when you're playing a video game that level one armor that you're building that level one sword you're building is not going to work on level nine boss. So you have to go through build that armor change that armor look at it differently, maybe do a weird quest that's going to make you really really pissed off and do it five times to then get to the next level. And you're, that's honestly what acceptance as a process looks like. It is like playing a video game where you've got to keep going through each level and you face a different foe. Every single time.
1: Right. That's what I tell, you know, my clients. I think I love that example. I and mean, then I also think of it like a mountain and we're constantly yes. climbing it. And there's going to be barriers that are going to come out at you. I mean, mm-hmm. hello, 2020 has definitely done Ooh. that. Like I think it's like
0: over. that mountain grew like another mountain.
1: Like <laughs> on the side. At, another mountain has come. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, there was something that I posted on Facebook the other day from Fuckology that was like, uh-huh. um, 2020 should be a curse word, so I don't give a 2020.
0: I don't give a or, 2020.
1: Yes. Or you have a case of the 2020s?
0: Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. Because I want it, a ritual for the end of this year. I want I'm one. I want. You. We need to have a burning of the calendars. Oh, I was on TikTok. God bless TikTok. The children on TikTok, they're just so wonderful. Uh, there uh, are some of these, you know, more witchy uh, TikTokers and they've been like drawing 2020 in a, in like, uh, and lighting it on fire and then drawing (laughs) 2021 on something and then putting like a salt ring around it to protect it. (laughs) It's just like, yes, that is what we need. That's what we need.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's been a, it's been a tough year, but acceptance is so important. And you know, when we're working in the therapy space with our clients Mm -hmm. and we're teaching these different models, um, Mm -hmm. To, to, to cope with uh, various mental health issues of concerns and sexual challenges. You know, everything was always based on cognitive behavioral therapy, which right. I love because it's great when you can tap into your thought process and how you can restructure that and reframe that. Yes. But with acceptance, it's different. You know, some folks, they really struggle trying to reframe things. So, you know, in yes. the acceptance model, we talk about infusion and diffusion and how mm-hmm. you can let your pain come in Let it come in and let it diffuse and watch it go by like a car, which I really like that because people really struggle with their thoughts. And then when Mm -hmm. they can't restructure them centered on their illness or sexual challenges, they get even more frustrated and more angry.
0: Absolutely. I and I I even go as far as to encourage people when we're talking about like any diffusion techniques. Um it, it's it I encourage them to make one for themselves. I some of my clients have made these incredible um diffusion techniques, which I'm just like, yeah, y'all are brilliant. Um I, because they're also more likely to use them if they like them, right? Like we're all more likely to do something <laughs> if we right, like it. Right. Right. Yes. So uh my, some of my favorite diffusion techniques are like to, to picture something and then picture it like melting or picture something like in a bubble and then popping it or, or any of these other things. But I, I, I definitely taken a couple from my clients. Uh, one client had created one where the old school duck hunt. They would picture old school duck hunt. I don't know if any of you out there remember the orange gun from the old yes, school duck hunt. Nintendo? Is that Nintendo? Yes, Nintendo. Yes, I yes. had that when I was a uh-huh. kid. I had the Absolutely. orange gun. Yes. Oh so they picture God. they picture the duck hunt. They picture the little dog laughing at them, and they picture there that whatever it is, if it's pain or if it's some shame around sex and pain or whatever it is, and they pu- pu- they picture the the ducks flying, and they picture those problems on those ducks, and they bring out that orange gun, and they pew, pew, pew. I
1: absolutely love that idea. There's another one that I do where you imagine a whiteboard in front of Mm. you, Mm
0: -hmm. and the
1: color is red that's going to go on that whiteboard, and so it's all the negative thoughts and everything that
0: Mm -hmm. you write on
1: there, and then you think of the eraser kind of Mm
0: -hmm. wiping it away. I love that. Which I I like,
1: and then there's the other one, the waterfall that I use, where you're kind Mm -hmm. of you're looking at a stream, it's a beautiful day, the sun's out, it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. But above you, you see this waterfall and that's all the negative energy yes. falling onto you. But you notice yeah. that you can pull yourself out and stand behind the waterfall and just watch it come in front of you. And you say, you know what? I don't need to deal with that right now.
0: Yes. they yes. Clients
1: love to use simple things. They like yeah. to use these little diffusion um, coping skills. So I love- Absolutely. I absolutely love that
0: idea of it. It puts distance between us and the thing that is so hard to either accept or, or if it's pain or if it is something specific that that has has something to do with someone's specific illness. Like it allows you to do something with it with the mind. It isn't just asking you to do like a guided meditation where you don't have a lot of familiarity with that, especially if you're new to any kind of mindfulness. And it's more of an active mindfulness. One of my other favorites is the monsters on the bus. It, where you imagine you're the driver, and all the all the people on the bus behind you are these monsters—the negative thoughts, or the negative negative experiences, or even sometimes some of those mixed emotions that we, we might have that include maybe sadness and anger, or grief and anger—and those are on the bus. And you can stop that bus and get those fuckers off. <laughs> like you can get them off. I love that. You can yes. go get off my bus. And just the
1: negative messages that we've gotten with sex, right? Mm -hmm. Or with sexuality, those negative messages that shape your sexual self-esteem. So being able to even get those off the bus, right? That you deserve pleasure, pleasure is your birthright. It's the affirmation of life. And that Mm -hmm. despite having an illness or chronic pain condition, you can still be sexual. And a lot of that really has to do with the acceptance piece that's so critical.
0: Mm -hmm. I mean, fundamentally, I really believe, really believe that uh, as sex therapists, as uh, mental and sexual health therapists, like one of our primary jobs when we're working around people's sexual issues is to dismantle that shame. And I think acceptance is the bedrock of it.
1: It like, is. I, am yes. an,
0: I I like sex, or I like certain things about sex, or I like myself, and I am sexual. Like whatever that version of that is, we we must have that as a bedrock, so that we can allow ourselves pleasure and let that pleasure, you know, distract us, uh, fundamentally change how we see maybe our chronic pain, like. The, especially like when you have chronic pain, like I, when I, when I have uh, used my TENS unit for the third time in the day and I'm, uh, you know, you meditating and all of those things, sometimes, uh, you know, masturbation works better than some of the, any of the other pain uh, medications or any of the other things that I'm trying to do to manage it because it immediately sends all of those wonderful chemicals in your head.
1: It does. It does. I have several clients that have several uh, chronic pain conditions. One being migraines. And uh, yes. you know, as a sex therapist, I always say one of the best things that you can do for self care is masturbation. And there's no right way to do it. Solo mm-hmm. sex is great. It's your time by yourself. It's yes. it's very pleasing to you. It creates a lot of pleasure. It releases that oxytocin in your body. And so mm-hmm. being able to do that is great. And I've had clients actually say, you know, Dr. Lee, my pain levels. Have decreased from masturbation or from having sex.
0: Yes, it's absolutely. really helped me. Yes, think think about how many times, and and I I think about how many, especially early in my career, I worked with a lot of people, and I still work with some people because I work with folks with eating disorders who self harm, right? Like essentially, we're after the same kind of thing, right? Like pain in the brain, even if it's self inflicted or not it is very akin to the same chemicals of pleasure. So when we can use something that actually isn't harming us, like masturbation, that you are, you are changing your experience of pain. I think this is just a bias of mine and maybe someday research will bear it out. I think we can change our pain, our pain fundamentally over the course of our, our life. And I'm, I would bet it works better than ibuprofen.
1: (laughs) I agree. And I hope that comes out. You know, I was really happy to see, I think it was a year ago in the psychotherapy networker magazine, they were saying Mm -hmm. that the number one treatment for chronic pain now is psychotherapy. Because doctors are limited in what they can do. It's like, here's your medication. Mm -hmm. Let's see how you're doing.
0: Mm -hmm. And,
1: but what are you doing? We have to look at how are you regulating your thoughts and your emotions? Because what we find is, is that when there's an increase in depression, anger, and anxiety, that Mm -hmm. hits the pain signals all through your body. Yes. And when you're able to manage that and you're able to get the depression down, decrease the anxiety Mm -hmm. and practice acceptance, people have reported there is a decrease in my pain or I'm Mm -hmm. able to manage my pain. A lot yes. better, and I find that to be amazing. We can tap into that.
0: I, I think it's important too that we mention that acceptance isn't. Sometimes when we talk about acceptance or th- words like compassion, there will be this um, underlying hint of weakness or giving in, and it's fundamentally not. It. it it is not giving in to whatever is happening for you, whether it's pain, whether it's a, a negative thought. Acceptance is allowing you to acknowledge something as present, as happening, and then being able to make any kind of movement then after that, whether it is like a diffusion technique, whether it is a uh, you masturbate to alleviate some of your pain. You, a lot of times we get paralyzed by... Whatever is happening in our body, whatever is happening in our mind, because we are avoidant creatures. We really are. Like one of our strongest, strongest systems in our body is the fight or flight or freeze mechanism. Right. We're built to avoid.
1: Oh, <laughs> yes. We love it. Right. <laughs> yeah. We love going into that comfort zone of avoidance. And I like yes. what you said about acceptance and what it really stands for and how. It's not about giving in because a lot Mm. of people do believe that. It's like, okay, I have to give into a body that no longer works.
0: Mm, It's
1: not that. It's just accepting where you are in the moment with your illness. And the acceptance is not going to take away the pain, Mm -hmm. but it allows you to build a relationship with your diagnosis. Yes. That's what it allows you to do because if you don't build a relationship with it and you go into avoidance mode, you probably will find that you will have more pain. And when you're not moving your body, you can go into deconditioning, Mm -hmm.
0: which causes your
1: pain to become worse. And a lot of people are afraid of that because they're afraid if they get up and they move, they're going to fall, something's going to happen. But if there's little Mm -hmm. movements that you could do or practicing those meditations, doing something to where you can get into Mm -hmm. that acceptance of yourself, Mm -hmm. we find that it's a great way to cope with that. And then having that acceptance, it's like, okay, well then I can also be sexual and yes. I, can, I can do things now. I'm accepting that this illness or this condition, it's one part of me. Yes. That's what it is. It doesn't determine who I am. And I think a lot of times people, the illness will consume you so much that it becomes mm-hmm. you. Yes. And
0: you attach it to that identity and then it gets fused, right? Like, this is part of my identity when in reality, it is something you deal with, yes, but not you. Mm-hmm. And, and some we can create that flexibility.
1: Right, right. And some people believe that it is their identity. And if it is, okay. But I mean, it is nice to know that, hey, I it doesn't have to become all of me and that mm-hmm. I can, it's one part of me and I can integrate some of those things into my mm-hmm. life that I did in the past that I found mm-hmm. a lot of pleasure in. And so- I think that's really important to know for our listeners to know that it is a way of, it's a different way of coping with it.
0: It is. And especially like, I I know, I know we are very apt to like identify with things and make it part of our identity because we are, most of us are, are ever searching creatures trying to understand our existence on this earth. Right? So The thing I encourage people to do, especially when we're in the room and and it becomes harder to kind of differentiate the identity, that's when we do the values work. Like, because I have chronic pain doesn't mean I am less compassionate and that I don't value compassion. Because I have chronic pain doesn't mean that I value my children and my family any less. But your values may change on that bullseye, right? Like if you think about your values and you're in the center of the bullseye and you think about the the values that are the most important to you, those values are actually fairly uh, stable throughout your life. You might value family, you might value social life, you might value your work, you might value whatever it is, but it may change. That distance that value is from you may change based on your illness. I, I can tell you that um, it, the, my values around food and nutrition and nutrients and how my body gets it completely changed. And so that value actually got closer to me rather than further away. That's how, that's how my heart condition changed me.
1: Right. And that's very important. And the values is in the acceptance model. It's looking at your values. What is important to you? And then I think the other word that comes up again is just that psychological flexibility.
0: Mm -hmm. It's
1: allowing yourself to be flexible because then you can go into many different avenues, many different values and values change over time, just like our bodies. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. I, I was just talking to, um, uh, Joan Price, which I'll, I'll, I'm going to email Joan because Joan needs to be on your show because
1: I love her so much,
0: (laughs) especially when it comes to aging and, and, and sex, like that's something that we all need to know we have coming for us, right? Like regardless of whether you're currently dealing with pain or you have a chronic illness now, like all of that stuff is coming for you. (laughs) We have aging coming for all of us. And so we do have to create some flexibility around how we see our bodies, how we interact with our genitalia, how we interact with the genitalia maybe of our partner. Absolutely. How we find pleasure within the entire body, not just the genitalia. Like, how does that look and how does it need to change as we grow and we age? And, and our, especially like during menopause, like something, um, something uh, it, it just blows me away. Some of the stuff that folks don't get taught, um, especially when they get certain diagnoses. I have quite a few um, people in my life that have ADHD. And something that they had no idea about is that uh, as uh, if you uh, identify as a woman and you have uh, female hormones, more estrogen, that means that through your period cycle, that estrogen changes and it goes lower and then it goes higher. And when that estrogen is lower, you will experience more ADHD symptoms. When it is higher, you will experience less ADHD symptoms. And then when you go through menopause, you will more than likely experience more ADHD symptoms because of how estrogen works in the brain and how it impacts ADHD. Like just having that information is crucial to how we develop how we change depending on whatever that you are dealing with whether it is a mental a chronic mental health issue whether it is a chronic ph- chronic physical health issue it's friday my mouth doesn't work anymore <laughs>
1: Mind <laughs> us either because it's been one heck of a week
0: <laughs> yes oh this is like our, our bread and butter bread and butter time of year right, right until right. christmas right like <laughs> it's 2020 and we're getting close to the holidays like people's families are going crazy yes <laughs> going, yes, yes that's
1: a whole other episode right there you oh know my gosh, like yes. how are people coping with that like during the holidays during COVID. And how are you accepting that, right? That goes into acceptance, right?
0: Absolutely. This is an incredibly difficult time period. And the what I think one of the greatest gifts we could give to ourselves is acceptance. And, And this, I feel like I'm doing this cycle with my clients a lot right now Is in 2020. We go through, we can get through like two weeks, like two weeks where we're accepting things are okay for 2020 (laughs) we're searching i'm not i'm not aiming high right now i'm aiming for (laughs) okay (laughs)
1: yeah yeah totally
0: it's not on fire fantastic (laughs) but then we hit this like peak of acceptance and then we're grieving again because 2020 has been so intense so if you're experiencing that right now if you're really struggling with acceptance it's no joke we we absolutely every single one of us are (laughs) it's like we hit another roadblock and go oh shit things are are shitty all over again and i just want to cry all day
1: yeah because i mean the grief process it's not linear right so you'll oscillate in between so many stages you'll go through acceptance and you'll go Mm -hmm. right back into depression or anger Mm -hmm. it's how it works and so We experience that in our environment with what's going on in the world right now. I mean, with COVID, it's like the numbers are up again. So that means there's another lockdown and that's more Mm -hmm. isolation. So when things we thought were getting a little better in some areas of the country, you know, when numbers were kind of going down a little bit. In some places of the country, the numbers have not gone down at all. Yep. You know, it's really, it's really scary. And then if you've got a chronic illness on top of it, it's like, am I safe? And having mm-hmm. to accept where you're at in your body during this mm-hmm. time and during this year is very, very challenging. So what I want to ask you is, what is the hardest and or the best lesson your disorder has taught you?
0: Oh... <sighs> The best lesson that I, I feel like, um, learning to roll with things that I would have never chosen. Like I'm, I'm an overachiever, recovering overachiever. I'm still an overachiever.
1: Um, yes, you are. You are.
0: Uh, it is uh, that there, I, I have had a lot of control over what I achieve. Right. And so this illness was completely out of my control, completely. I didn't choose it. <laughs> it sometimes happens to women between their ages of 30 and 40. I wasn't genetically predisposed to it. Uh, it it There was no element of choice for me. And so... I'm not even hinting or saying that chronic illnesses have any element of choice, but for me, because I'm so achievement oriented and I am ambitious, like feeling like I have a choice is a false narrative I've given myself for quite a long time. And so it was something I had to really, really grapple with that I didn't have power um, over this happening to me, where my flexibility then came or or my working on flexibility was, okay, this is happening. I can look at this differently. I'm not going to achieve over it. Like that's not going to be the thing. But really, I think the cookbook was one of the better lessons because Emily and I sat down and we just started looking at these recipes and we just started talking about how could we make these recipes that we did love in our life, especially when we were younger, that we could make them again, but make them so that they didn't make our physical bodies hurt or experience symptoms or experience depression or experience anxiety. Um, And so we went through some of these most basic recipes that like so many of us are used to having like mac and cheese, my vegan mac and cheese recipe is the shit. Oh, I can't wait to try it. It is so good. It is so good. Put a little sriracha on top. Or oh, I bet it's like, delicious. Yeah. I oh, it's mean. good. And there's no vegan cheese in it because there's a lot of vegan cheeses that taste like shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but this this recipe, like I, I think just in its creation, both Emily and I working on it just really helped me heal because it showed me the flexibility in a very concrete way. Something I love carbohydrates flavors I love, something tasting cheesy, something warm and, and comforting. Something that I've always loved about food is that you could share a meal with somebody or share a meal, even just with yourself and give yourself great comfort and care for that body that, that, that it's the only one you get. You, it's the only uh, apartment dwelling that you get while you're here in your own body. Yes. You are, you are yes. the only roommate to yourself. Yeah. And so yeah. getting to work on this cookbook was, um, it, it really has been uh, transformational in my ability to get to um, use food to heal myself. I
1: bet. That's amazing. And I could see where that helps with acceptance. It's like, this is where I'm at and I'm going to use this and do this and it's Mm going to help other people. Mm -hmm. I like what you said about power and control. You know, it's, we love to be in control, right? Oh, we We, do. (laughs) We love it so much. I mean, we just love being in control. And when we're not in control, that increases the anxiety. But when Mm -hmm. we learn that there are things that are out of our control. Yes. It's so powerful. And that leads to acceptance too. That's also,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, you know, it intertwines with that. And so just knowing that, but yeah, the control factor and the power yes. and knowing that, hey, you didn't have power over this, right? Mm-hmm. It came, mm-hmm. it's here, you're dealing with it um, mm-hmm. the best way you can. And that, that's amazing. And so if you're out there listening, you know, just knowing that, that there are some things that we can't control and it's great and we can do it. Mm -hmm. There are things that are beyond our control, like this year, right, Erica? Oh my
0: gosh. (laughs) Like it's relentless. And I think that's a part of like what you were talking about earlier about this continual uh, struggle with acceptance and the grieving process. And a big part of it, like we weren't physically meant for a chronic emergency. We're actually, our bodies can handle a certain amount of emergency, But it's a brief emergency. Uh, We're meant to handle like, uh, for lack of a better way to put this, we're meant to handle like a a car accident. Not to say that it wasn't bad and awful and that were injuries that were awful, but it had a beginning, a middle, and an end.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. This year
0: has not. Mm
1: And a chronic illness doesn't, you know, your dynamic no. illnesses such as fibromyalgia, multiple sclerosis, yes. and a lot of your other illnesses, they're dynamic illnesses, which means they have relapses and you go into remission. Yes. So it's an ongoing ride.
0: Mm-hmm. It doesn't
1: stop. It doesn't have an ending. It doesn't have mm-hmm. that beginning, middle and end. It goes and it goes. But if you're practicing acceptance and any type of mindfulness or healthy behaviors for yourself and having sex. yes. Um, <laughs>
0: And you're as much masturbating, as you can manage.
1: As much <laughs> as you can manage. Um, we find that you can, you learn to deal better with it. And so I'm really glad that you were talking about that. I mean, this is a topic that we could go on and on mm-hmm. and on. And we, we probably so cool. will have like another Episode on this because mm-hmm. it's such it's so needed and I talked about it today in my course with other social workers mm-hmm. and how important it is to open yourself up to acceptance and let it come in and form a relationship with your illness. No one wants to do that, right? You're angry, yeah. but once you can do that, it helps you more to cope with it and to be more of a sexual being and to deserve the pleasure that That's that cute. you have. Um, So, tell everyone how we can get in touch with you.
0: How do we? Fantastic. I will happily do that. So, uh, I do have that group practice, as you mentioned uh, earlier, and it's completely online. We were big about that, especially initially, because There's not enough of us out here, Lee, you know, there is not enough of us sex (laughs) therapists out here. Um, And I wanted wanted the therapists who were interested in working in sexuality to be able to reach further. I wanted them to be able to reach their entire state as opposed to, you know, only their 25 mile, maybe their 25 mile radius. Um, I had a mentor. I had a wonderful mentor when we lived in Washington state that um, she was like, there was only two and people would drive from Montana to Washington State to see me. Wow. Because there was nobody available. So to me, online sex therapy is one of the greatest gifts we could offer. Um, and so it, that's the mentalandsexualhealth.com. So if you want to see me or uh, any of the other therapists. Um, and if I'm, if I'm booked up, I help train these therapists. So they, you would be in good hands either way. Uh, and then the podcast is uh, sextalkwitherica.com.
1: How exciting. Well, I'm so happy that you were here today. Thank you for coming on my Thank show you. and really talking about this topic because it's so needed. And I'm Thank sure you. that we will do it again. Thanks for listening to another episode of Sex and Chronic Illness. If you'd like to learn more about Erica and her work, check out the links in the description. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to Sex and Chronic Illness on your favorite podcast player, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and follow me on social media. My handle is Dr. Lee Phillips. Thanks to Jason Herderick, who helped put this episode together. Our theme music is Funky Soul Intro by Andy Slaughter. Stay well, everyone. And as I always say, get curious about your partner and get creative with your sex.